0: everyone, and welcome to episode 322 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam.
1: Hello. How's it going? I'm
0: trying not to sneeze. I'm good.
1: <laughs> good timing. Um, yeah, it is the end of March, which means we are going to today jump all into our April books that we're very excited about.
0: April. I had... <laughs> what did you say it was? <laughs> June. June. Earlier this week. I was like, June books. <laughs>
1: Yeah, time flies, but not apparently as fast as Jill thinks it does. Um, we've got a couple of fun announcements that we're going to go through before we get to the books. Um, the first one, and I didn't even mention that. Did we talk about Harlan Coben on a previous episode? Or is this the first we're mentioning? We did. We did. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. Last so week. We interviewed Harlan name. Coben. Yeah, you're right. We interviewed Harlan Coben uh, over the weekend. It was awesome. Super exciting. And that will be up. I think monday um so i'm excited mm-hmm. if you guys listen to that thanks to my friends at cuyahoga county public library for hosting um and the 400 people who came to the event that was amazing um they came for Harlan; they didn't come for us That's us they honest. did not come for us it's always it's always fun to like when i hear like comedy podcasts that i love like clearly their crowds are all there for them so when we're like there were 500 people there it's like well there are 500 people there to see the amazing author they seem to like us too yeah so that was good um, so, the first thing that uh, we want to talk about briefly is Big Library Read is coming back. It is. So, it kicks off April 1st and runs for two weeks. Do you want to explain to people? Do you want me? Oh, you're making no, I, can, I can, yeah. All right. Do you want to explain to people who might be recent listeners what Big Library Read is?
0: Sure. So, Big Library Read is our digital uh ebook club mm-hmm. um, where if you go to your library's overdrive site during the, the time of the promotion
1: yeah those two weeks
0: um you will be able to check out the uh, book with no wait lists there's no holds you can just check it out and read it participate in all the conversations online um so yeah it's this huge big digital book club where everyone is reading the same book. Yeah,
1: and um, the title, and you can learn all about it at biglibrary.com, but the, this particular one is nonfiction. It's called Homes, a Refugee Story. We're going to have the authors on, I think actually Saturday. I think we're going to have to do a, a special Saturday podcast just I think so. think about our schedule since it launches uh, on Monday. Um, but it is called Homes, a Refugee Story. Uh, it's really, really good. It's really interesting. Um, as we mentioned, it runs April 1st through the 15th, so as long as you have a library card, uh, just go into Libby, look at your library, and odds are uh, your library will be a part of it. There's over 20,000 libraries that usually partake, so really good chance that your library will have this book. It will be front and center, um, so it'll be right there for you. And then if you use the hashtag biglibrary.any any social media to talk about it, share your thoughts, share a picture, whatever you want to do. Uh, you have a chance to win a Kobo Aura h H2O from Overdrive and our sister company, Kobo, which is cool. We're going to run through a lot of names of companies and brands, I'm realizing, in this one. We are. Um, So that's Big Library Read. Super cool. You can learn more about it, again, at BigLibraryRead.com. So that is the Overdrive housekeeping. We have some professional book nerds housekeeping, too. We do. So we are super excited. I think this got announced on Twitter last week, but we are officially joining the Evergreen Podcasts channel. So, there's a lot of podcast networks out there. Evergreen is technically a podcast channel. So, what that means is that we're now a part of this community where people like to go talk about their podcasts and they have this really all of the podcasts that are on the Evergreen channel are um really like big ideas the the idea of the podcast channel and it's from Front Porch Media is the name of the company, is their conversations that you would have on a front porch, which I think is wonderful. So I've been kind of working with them for a while to try and set this up since the end of last year, and Jill and I went to their offices, and they have some recording studios. Right here in Cleveland. Right here in Cleveland, technically um, a suburb of Cleveland where Jill and I, but we say literally a lot. I say literally a lot, but it's literally around the corner from both of us. Yes. So quite convenient. We have our own recording studio here, but hoping to use some their space in the future because there's some really cool stuff they do there. Have some nice space. Um, so if you visit evergreenpodcasts.com, you will see our logo, but you'll also see a bunch of logos of other podcasts. And since learning about Evergreen again at the end of last year, I have been nerding out on a lot of their podcasts. So I'm just, there's a ton of them here, but some of my favorites. There's one called Retro Tone News. Um so if you are familiar with the news reels that used to go on before um uh, movies during like World War 1 or World War 2 Tone News is a weekly short news podcast where the host does modern day news but in that kind of like news of the day and it they have old timey music and it's really really funny but it also gives you all the news that's actually going on so that's really cool I'm a big fan of that one There's one called 7 Minute Stories which is Exactly what it sounds like. It's short stories. They're seven minutes each, uh, and they're very, very interesting and very, very diverse. Um, There's one called Because I Said I Would, which is a podcast all about the promises that people make and that they keep or they don't keep. So there's actually stories from all around the world where people come on the podcast and talk about a story that they – or a promise that they made either to a family member or to a coworker, and then they go through the experience of what that promise meant to them and how they kept it or how they didn't. And then the one that I totally am geeking out on, and I'm I'm trying to angle really hard to be on at some point, is Riffs on Riffs. So there's these two two hosts, and they break down music, uh, popular music of today, and either the tracks that those mus- those musical numbers sample from the past, or things that inspired those. So the one that a lot of I think their most popular episode is Hamilton. They, they did a Hamilton one, but. Um, they'll pull like either basically any popular song. I think they did, um, Uptown Funk was another one they did. So they'll, you'll listen to the, a chunk of the current song that you might recognize. And then they'll tell you where it came from and a whole bunch of background on like the bands that did the original stuff. So it's super, super cool. Um, I think I've sent like four emails to the people we work with at Evergreen being like, (laughs) so like if they ever need a, a a third host to come on and uh, I have some things I would like to do. So. Very cool, really exciting. Uh, It's going to let us be able to reach more users and also find um, potential advertisers and sponsors that will be um, more in tune with what our listeners might be interested in. Um, If you've been a listener for a long time, you may have noticed that the only type of sponsorships we've ever done is publisher sponsorships. And that's because we only wanted to do book related stuff because we're a book company. We're also fortunate to be honest, we're A lot of podcasts need to make money to keep the podcast up and running. This isn't Jill and I's full-time job. We have a lot of other stuff we do here at Overdrive. And because we are a part of a corporation, the corporation handles whatever money we would need. We're an in-house podcast. We're an in-house podcast, yeah. So um, because of that, we never really worried about trying to find advertisers. Also, because we didn't have the time. So really excited for a whole bunch of stuff that uh, you guys will be able to see. So go to evergreenpodcast.com. Check out all that good stuff. I feel like I t- I just said so many words. Um yeah. You can also, if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pro, Pro Book Nerds, you'll see uh, all the Evergreen stuff, and we'll we'll be sure to like share a lot of our, I guess technically sister podcasts we could call them. Yeah. So, so that's really cool news, um, and you'll also hear a subtle, a slightly different outro message in the near future that Jill recorded, because she has the radio voice, <laughs> and I don't. Um. <clears throat> Okay. Do you want to talk about what we what we do for the monthly picks just really quickly? Just so sure. I can take a sip of coffee.
0: <laughs> sure. So as our longtime listeners know, we've been doing this for a while. I feel like I say this every month. But we've been I doing think it's this almost two while. years. Every month, um, at the end of every month, we look ahead to the upcoming month and all of the books that are coming out. And Adam and I pick uh, our favorites that we want to talk about. And so the, we are talking about April books today. Um The rules are we don't share lists with each other. I feel like there might be one or two. Mm I don't know. We'll see. Um, We don't share lists. We just kind of go back and forth talking about all of the books coming out next month. And I think I have eight, nine.
1: Yeah, I have somewhere in that area as well. I think I might have 10 or 11. Just kidding. I have 10. 10? Okay. (laughs) Well, we can do what we've done, what we did last week. month which i kind of liked where like we didn't really go through all of them we're still going to make the whole list on our website and all of these titles will be in the show notes so you don't have to write them down but like we'll see how long we run with all these and we'll either go through all of them or we won't and then we'll, we'll tell you at the end to go to our website
0: and again you don't have to try and write everything down these will be in the show notes yeah. did you just say that
1: i did but okay. it's good to repeat it they'll <laughs> also be on our website Um, something that it's not super clear, but if you go to our website and click the About button, the very top of that particular page is updated every month with our reading list as well. Good Lord, that was a lot of housekeeping. That's
0: a big intro.
1: Yeah, people were like, hey, we're just here for the books." so.
0: Well, good thing it's the episode everyone likes and listens to. Hopefully they'll stick through it.
1: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) fingers crossed. All right, you can start if you would like to.
0: So my first one is called The Five by Hallie Rubenhold. So this is about the five women who were killed by Jack the Ripper. And um, history remembers them, of course, as prostitutes. But um, this is nonfiction. And Hallie has uh, gone in and sort of found out um, the truth about who they were and sort of what their lives looked like. Um, They came from Fleet Street, Knightsbridge, Wolverhampton, Sweden, and Wales. They wrote ballads, ran coffee shops, lived on country estates. And the only thing they had in common was... um, The year of their murder, which was 1888, when Jack the Ripper uh, stalked the streets of London. So if you are into true crime, if you're into sort of this idea of women's stories um, being rewritten and finding out the truth of sort of what happened and having the record straight, this is probably the book for you.
1: I didn't put it on my list because I knew you were going to have it (laughs) on your list. But I am like, this is... When I saw a couple months back that this was coming out, this is like one of my top 10 books I'm most looking forward to. This. I'm so in on this. It's I'm so fascinated by this. And I'm not normally a true crime person, but Jack the Ripper stuff.
0: I think there is something about Jack the Ripper. And I think the thing about Jack the Ripper, which, to be fair, happens with a lot of serial killers, um, is that people, I think, forget the victims. Mm-hmm. And especially in something like 1888, where it's not obviously contemporary um and so we only have what was written about at the time and of course you have like this whole like propaganda thing and whatever and so um yeah it's kind of like the lizzie borden thing the book i talked about last month when we did this uh just these, these murders that have kind of entered our consciousness um at this really intense level and especially with Jeff the Ripper not knowing who actually did it. So there's, like, that whole element of it, and it's just, well, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, not only that, I, you're absolutely right about it. I mean, and it's the reason, like, it's not a secret. It's They talk about it, like, psychologists and, and these all these people talk about the fact that the reason serial killers continue to exist is because serial killers end up getting attention. You know, you just think about, like, you know, John Wayne Gacy or, like, Charles Manson like there's a reason that you know those names and you don't know the people who they murdered and that should be the other way around where you should remember the people who lost their lives and, and we don't so it gets glorified some really that's why I'm so excited about this book because it does finally it seems like it's going to shine some light on the people who should have been focused on the whole time so um, also very dark but fiction uh, my first book is The Invited by Jennifer McM- uh, McMahon or McMahone. Did you have this as well? I
0: did. I read an advance copy of it.
1: Oh, this is a... Okay, you tweeted something about looking at books in advance. Is, was this oh, the that was not this
0: one, but it was a different one. But gotcha. yes. Um, okay. I actually, I did have that same reaction okay. about this book too. But continue. Okay,
1: so this is... Um, it's a ghost story. And because you've read it, you can correct... You can fill in some blanks for me. So it's a ghost story, but the twist is that uh the it's a haunted house book but it's a husband and wife who actually built the haunted house so they're in the woods of vermont and there is this husband and wife who go to this area they're on this rural land and they discover that the property that they are on has this really really violent past and helen who is the wife of the two becomes obsessed with this local legend of this hattie breckenridge who's a woman who lived and died there over a century ago and she also has a passion for artifacts so she starts finding materials that are related to this hattie breckenridge and putting those uh those particular things into the house and so the house itself kind of takes the evil and everything from this Hattie Breckenridge and that's how the house becomes haunted which is an awesome way to look at a book because you always get you know the haunting on hill house and Amityville horror like you always get these haunted house stories and they're always like oh well there was of suicide there that's why the house is haunted but this is like they're actively building a haunted house
0: they are yeah they um are building this house and decide to use a lot of like reclaimed wood or um, various, you know, bricks from a whatever. And and it ends up like you find out that the spirits essentially are mm-hmm. within those. You know, because I think that's always the thing about ghosts. You're like, what happens if you just like tear down the building? Like what happens? Yeah, where do ghosts? they go? Where do they go? Yeah.
1: Or if it's poltergeist, they, they actually take the house with them that's, themselves. That's true as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's your next one.
0: That's an excellent question. What is my next one? Um,
1: <laughs> ch- 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 okay. I do the same thing. I have, like, my list here, but there's no real order I <laughs> no, want to there's No, there's no order.
0: All right. So I'm going to go with Wicked um, Saints by Emily Duncan. Did you have that on your list? No,
1: but I knew you okay. would because reasons.
0: Right. So I ended up interviewing Emily, um, and we had a very, very strange connection when I interviewed her. I interviewed aLA ALA a strange connection. We had an unexpected connection. So this... Um, sh- when I um, was first um, presented with the opportunity of interviewing her, Alexis, who works here, said her book was being sold as, like, a Russian medieval version of Joan of Arc. I was like, all right, cool, I'm in.
1: <laughs> so good.
0: So this is about... Um, A girl who can speak to gods and must save her people without destroying herself. There's, like, this dark prince. Like, Emily and I talked a lot about, like, loving villains. And if you, like, love villains and love to fall in love with villains, this is a book you're going to want to read. It's the part of a new series I'm really, really excited for this one. So that's Wicked Saints by Emily Duncan.
1: All right. We went dark three books in a row. So I'm (laughs) going to go light now. Um my next one is called no country for old gnomes it's the second book in the tales of pell series by kevin hearn and delilah s dawson it is oh man so the first one of these was called kill the farm boy and i listened to the audiobook and holy hell was it funny it's so good and so what they're doing, I mean, you can read the first one like I did and kind of understand the world of Pell that they've created. But it seems like these are like unrelated stories that are just all basically they've built this absurd medieval fairy tale land. And now they're telling various stories in it that may or may not be related. I'm assuming there's going to be some like Easter eggs in there. But I'm just going to read bear with me, because I'm going to read a quick paragraph that the description is because it sounds hilarious. Uh, war is coming and it's going to be Pell. Let's start. <laughs> On one side stands the gnomes, small, cheerful, possessing tidy cardigans and no taste for cruelty. On the other side sit the halflings, proudly astride their war alpacas, carrying bags of grenades and hungry for a fight and pretty much anything else. It takes only one halfling bomb and Ophi's world is turned upside down, or downside up really, since he lives in a hole in the ground. His goth cardigans and aggressive melancholy set him apart from the other gnomes, as does his decision to fight back against his halfling oppressors. Suddenly, he is the leader of a band of lovable misfits and outcasts, from a griffin who would literally kill for omelets, a young dwarf herbalist who is better than bees, wait, sorry, let me read this again, a young dwarf herbalist who is better with bees than his cudgel to an assertive and cheerful teen witch with a beard as long as her book of curses all on a journey to the Toot Towers to confront the dastardly villain intent on tearing pill, Pell asunder. It's basically, if you're a fan of like Terry Pratchett or Monty Python, these books are so for you. And I'm hoping the audiobook is just as good as the first one because it was wonderful. So that's No Country for Old Gnomes, The Tales of Pell.
0: I have Southern Lady Code by Helen Ellis. Uh, Helen Ellis... Um wrote American Housewife, which is a short story collection that came out a couple years ago and was just, like, huge. Like, everyone was reading American Housewife. So she is back with Southern Lady Code. She... Which are essays. Um, and Helen is from the South originally but lives here in New York or up here in New York in the North Yankee <laughs> land. I'm, Yankee land! I, the union. I am having issues this morning. Okay. So, um... So... The best way to describe this book is, you know, sort of um, taking this idea of, you know, when a Southerner says, bless your heart, it sounds like one thing but needs another. And so she kind of plays a little bit on that and she writes essays, true essays um, about her life. And I also met her at ALA and she is a huge Libby fan. Yeah. She's a huge Libby fan. When I post the uh, interview in a couple weeks, you'll see the picture. She wanted to, like... She has, like, Libby on her phone. She's like, look at Libby. <laughs> I love Libby. Uh, we took a picture in front of the giant Libby. Uh, she's hilarious in person, just like she is with, in her books. Um, and... She also has, like, a little podcast called Southern... L- I, I, not little. It's short. Um, Short, where she kind of goes into these Southern... L- <laughs> because I don't know why this is such a challenge. You just challenge. Had
1: Southern Lady coded her podcast. For oh, me. It's a cute little podcast. To
0: talk about. I don't... Yeah. But I
1: Bless her podcast.
0: God. Sorry, Helen. Sorry. <laughs> We've already recorded the episode and the interview, so it's too late. You can't, like, take it back. But <laughs> be I, on our podcast. She,
1: she um... Uh, I, uh, talking about her loving Libby, I'm doing this massive overdrive campaign that's taking forever that I'm not going to get into right now, but she created a video for it, for me, uh, talking about some books that she recommended, and, like, she, I got the kind of B-roll version of it from the from the publisher-producer, and it starts off with her, like, yelling, like, I love Libby! <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm going to use that for something. She
0: Yeah, and I think that's sort of funny, is that she's lived, um... Uh, in New York for a while now, but she still like holds on to that southern accent of hers. Oh, she sure does. She's so delightful in person, by the way. Oh my gosh, she was wearing—I mean, I can. She was wearing cat ears. Like there was a at the booth at the ALA, somebody had cat ears. One of somebody was giving out like little cat ear headbands, and she like shows up to our interview wearing them. I'm like, cool. Victoria,
1: Victoria Schwab does that. She, it's like her. um Almost like a safety, like blanket or something. You would think, like she, like that's kind of gives her, like that's like her superpower. No, I think Helen just
0: liked him. and just wanted to wear him. Oh no, I know. I'm <laughs> gonna say, like, it's, yeah, it's just saying. Yeah, so, she doesn't yeah.
1: strike me as someone who gets shy in public.
0: <laughs> she does not.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited to read that. Uh, my next one is Odd Partners. This is actually an anthology by the Mystery Writers of America, edited by Anne Perry. Um, so basically, the description of it. Is throughout the annals of fiction, there have been a ton of celebrated detective teams. Sherlock Holmes and Watson, Nick and Nora Charles, Poirot and Hastings. Uh, And what she does is she got a whole bunch of famous authors together. And she had them each write mystery stories that needed to be solved. These like whodunits. But she picked people that you wouldn't normally expect to be paired together. So like one of them's an English sergeant and his German counterpart in World War I. Uh, but there are other ones that feature like honeybees and a beekeeper. And a wandering cat brings home clues to a murderer and a gray wolf and a fly fisherman in Minnesota woods. Try to protect their land from a billionaire. Like all sorts of just random Pairings you wouldn't expect. And I'm very interested in it. I, I think it's going to be really, really good. Um, so that's Odd Partners. And again, it's by the Mystery Writers of America, but it's edited by Anne Perry. It's an anthology.
0: I have Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. In an American suburb in the early 1980s, students at a highly competitive performing arts high school struggle and thrive in a rarefied bubble, ambitiously pursuing music, movement, Shakespeare, and particularly their acting classes. When within this driving brotherhood of the arms, two freshmen, David and Sarah, fall headlong into love, their passion does not go unnoticed by anyone, especially not by their charismatic acting teacher, Mr. Kingsley. The outside world of family and life and economic status of academic pressure and of their future adult lives fails to penetrate this school's walls until it does in a shocking spiral of events that catapults the action forward in time and flips the premise upside down. What the reader believes to have happened to David and Sarah and their friendship is not entirely true, though it's not false either. It takes until the book's stunning coda for the final piece of the puzzle to fall into place, revealing truths that will resonate long after the final sentence. So basically, we have like fame. (laughs) (laughs) With some like crazy ending, which I'm like, I'm here. I am here for
1: this. That sounds so good. That sounds really good um my next one is called hot dog girl by jennifer duggan this is it's a contemporary ya rom-com but it stars teens working as costume characters at a local amusement park um there was a movie that came out a long time ago with kristen stewart and i don't wonderland or something i can't remember what it was called was that was it wonderland
0: Mm, possibly
1: maybe um, was it
0: with the kid from Arrested Development? Was he in it, too? Yeah, he... yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, he was. Also, I can't believe you referred to him as the kid from Arrested Development and not like, um, oh, man. That's a... why. Yeah. That's yeah, why. You're right. The, like the comic book Oh, I'm movie. well aware of what you're talking about. I just can't remember the um, name. Something, something verse. Uh, Scott Pilgrim.
0: That's why. That's why I refer to him as the kid. Yeah,
1: Scott Pilgrim and also Zombieland. None of this matters. This book. <laughs> Hot dog girl. Getting back to the book, so it's a coming of age tale of teenagers, much like you would see in, in like a high school book or anything like that. But it's in the they all have summer jobs at this amusement park. Uh, so the main character's name is Lou, and she landed uh, an awesome job at Magic Castle Playland as a giant dancing hot dog. Her crush, the dreamy diving pirate Nick. Already has a girlfriend who is literally the princess of the park, but Lou's never liked any one guy or girl otherwise as much before, and now she wants a chance at her own happily ever after. So there's a big group of friends, and it just feels very much like good um, like days and confused summer style, uh, you know, why book, which I'm I'm very excited about. And The cover is really, really fun. It's like a cartoon, and the main character is sitting, standing awkwardly in her in her hot dog. So that's Hot Dog Girl. i I said this to christina because um a little secret about christina her favorite food on earth is hot dogs which is so random and like if you if you guys were to ever meet christina in real life she looks like a little tiny sprite of a human um but she eats hot dogs and dessert like she hasn't seen food in in seven months it's so funny and adorable like so if you give her a hot dog she just loses focus on anything else other than the hot dog and so i sent that to her and she's like it's me i'm the hot dog girl
0: that's adorable yeah Uh, My next one is The Princess and the Fangirl by Ashley Posen. So, this is about um, Imogene. She is a fangirl um, for this TV show, Starfield. And she is worried that her favorite character, Princess Amara, is going to be killed off. And, of course, this is a problem, as we all know, when we think our favorite character is going to be killed (coughs) off. So, um... The problem is that she's, like, trying to, like, campaign for the show to keep her. The character on, except the actress, Jessica, who plays Princess Amara, is kind of, like, done and wants to leave the show. Um, and she is going to um, a con, a you know, con- a convention, um, a Chelsea con, and she and Imogene run into each other there, and they find out they look a lot alike. And then... The script for the TV show leaks, and um, they decide to switch places. And in doing so, um, they, you know, like they switch places. Yep. Like you're going to do. It's like the Princess and the Popper, uh, the Prince and the Popper, um, but it's Princess and the Fangirl. And I, uh, Ashley had previously written um, a book called Geekerella, which was a Cinderella that's it that's it yeah so this is kind of like her thing she sort of takes fairy tales and sets them um in a you know geek nerd uh
1: so here for it
0: setting of conventions and Mm -hmm. tv shows and all that stuff um so yeah that's the princess and the fangirl
1: nice yeah i i knew the name sounded familiar uh my next one is miracle creek by angie kim Uh, So in rural Virginia, Young and Pac-U run an experimental medical treatment device known as the Miracle Submarine. It's a pressurized oxygen chamber that patients enter for therapeutic dives with the hopes of curing issues like autism or infertility. But when the Miracle Submarine mysteriously explodes, killing two people, a dramatic murder trial upends the U's small community. Uh, the ensuing trial uncovers unimaginable secrets from that night, trysts in the woods, mysterious notes, child abuse charges, as well as tentative rivalries and alliances among a group of people driven to extraordinarily, extraordinary degrees of desperation and sacrifice. Um, I just recently I read Harlan Coben's book, and now I'm reading another mystery that I'm going to get to in just a moment here. So I'm very into these like, uh, these very interesting thrillers, as, as you will. So. It it literally says for fans of Leanne Moriarty. So I think it'll be very family-driven drama.
0: Um, Okay. So on the subject of family-driven drama, uh, I have Little Darlings by Melanie Golding. This is about a new mom, Lauren, who just has had twins, Morgan and Riley. She's never been more tired in her entire life. um, But she is convinced that she saw um, a woman try to take her babies and replace them with these like creatures ah um but when the police arrive to the hospital no one is seen nothing has happened and everyone from her doctor and her husband is convinced she's just tired and um imagining things so a month goes by and then the babies disappear from her side when she's in a park and when they're found, something is different about them. They look like her twins to everyone else, but to Lauren, something is off. And as everyone around her is so happy and starts to celebrate finding them, Lauren is like, these are not my babies. Mm. And no one believes her. <laughs> um. So I think there's like a lot to unpack here. I mean, like, no, do you know what yeah. I mean? No, like, just oh, like yeah. this is just like a thriller. Um, it's sort of based on this idea of changelings, um, babies being stolen and then replaced with um, creatures that look like them, but aren't them. But I think, you know, in this world where women are not often believed about things, um, there, like I said, there's lots to unpack in this book that is, you know, just like a thriller thing, but.
1: This sounds extremely Twilight Zone-y, and that's very on point since Twilight Zone... It's coming back this week with jordan peele yeah uh-huh i can find a way to connect wow. twilight zone just by anything wow. really. i'm so excited for it i actually kind of want to I'm, I'm reserving i'm holding back until i see an episode or two this weekend because i'm thinking about pitching to you a twilight zone like episode but
0: You're thinking about it? I'm pretty sure you just did. I think I
1: just did just now.
0: I would not be opposed to that. (laughs) Okay. I love me some Twilight Zone.
1: All right. We'll see. Uh, My next one is The Old Drift by Namwali Serpel. Uh, This is a story set on the banks of the Zambezi River. Uh, There is a colonial settlement near the the Victoria Falls called The Old Drift, and here begins the epic story of a small African nation told by a mysterious swarm-like chorus that calls itself man's greatest nemesis. Is it a tale, a playful panorama of history, fairy tale, romance, and science fiction, or is it all about learning morals? Uh, In 1904, in a smoky room at the hotel across the river, an old drifter named Percy, foggy with fever, makes a mistake that entangles the fate of an Italian hotelier and an African busboy. This sets off a cycle of unwitting retribution between three uh, Zambian families, one black, one white, one brown, as they collide and converge over the course of a century into the present and beyond. So this novel kind of reminds me of a book I read back in January called An Orchestra of Minorities by Chikose Obiyama, uh, in the sense that it has the same like weird storytelling using like a Greek chorus kind of a thing. So I'm very interested and it's also, I, I like me, a, a sweeping novel that has uh, decades and decades of, of stories to be told. So, very excited for this one. You are now up.
0: Okay. Um, so, I always feel like favorite books define people. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell a lot about a person by some of their favorite books. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite books, hands down, is American Psycho the- by Brett Easton Ellis. What an
1: incredible <laughs> preface
0: um so that is my way of prefacing this by saying that brett easton ellis is back this time though with a non-fiction book which i believe is his first non-fiction book it's called white um brett easton ellis is just one of those literary characters who you can't quite pin down and he's he's very enigmatic um he does not do a lot of public um appearances um he's also a really good friend with donna tart who wrote uh the secret history So that's a fun little fact there. Anyway, so um, in his new book of uh, nonfiction, he um, kind of just is someone who just like tells the truth at whatever the cost, and he does that in this book. He, um, according to the description, pours himself out onto the page, and in doing so, eviscerates the perceived good that the social media age has wrought, starting with the dangerous cult of likability. White is both a denunciation denunciation of censorship, particularly the self-inflicted sort committed in hopes of being accepted, and a bracing view of a life devoted to authenticity.
1: I just, so far this episode, you have said something along the lines of, like, if you love rooting for villains, and then also, one of my favorite books is American Psycho.
0: (laughs) I love it. It is so good. It is so good. It's just...
1: It, it is very good. I'm just I'm like a little curious about what your next picks are gonna be here. <laughs> um, speaking, well, we'll go, but we'll stay dark. Uh, my next one is "The Better Sister" by Fair Burke, who uh, I just started reading this actually last night, and I am going to be interviewing her later this month at Cuyahoga uh, Library. So it's a story of two sisters, Chloe and Nikki. And though Chloe was the younger of the two sisters, she always seemed to be the one in charge. She was the honor roll student. She earned an awesome job in New York City, uh, all this good stuff. And then meanwhile, Nikki married this promising young attorney. Um, but what ended up happening is Nikki became kind of what seems like a junkie and sort of strung out. And so they lost touch. They became virtual strangers. And Adam eventually is the name of this attorney. Uh, he divorces Nikki and strikes up a relationship with Chloe, and they get married, and then 15 years later, he gets murdered by an intruder at the couple's house in the Hamptons, and then they had a uh, teenage son, but it was actually Chloe's stepson. It was her sister's son, so you can see how it's quite messy. And then after the murder, they uh, what ends up happening is the son becomes... A suspect and so the sisters kind of have to reunite and confront the truth about deep dark family secrets they have tried to keep buried buried in the past so uh speaking of harlan Coben, harlan Coben describes it on the back of the book as this year's gone girl so i i, I just started last night it's really really good um it's really quick and there's a lot of like oh man people are crappy that's oh man this is a troubled family so And the tagline is keep your enemies close and your sister closer, which I enjoy.
0: Yeah, well, Mm -hmm. Um, My next one is The Mother-in-Law by Sally uh, Hempworth. I will preface this by saying I like my mother-in-law, so don't, you know. Okay, okay, that's a
1: good start. Yeah, I think you do need to do these prefaces at this point.
0: So um, this is a a thriller type thing where um, the woman Lucy, as soon as she met her husband's mom, Diana, she knew that Diana um, didn't really see a woman like Lucy as marrying her um, her son and there, uh, Diana always sort of keeps Lucy at arm's length and is, you know, she's known as this like pillar in the community. and no one has anything bad to say about her except Lucy. That was five years ago. and now Diana is dead. A suicide note is found near her body claiming that she no longer wanted to live because of the cancer wreaking havoc inside her body the problem is the autopsy finds no cancer but it does find poison (laughs) and so it's a question of like who you know possibly could have wanted this woman um diana dead and of course lucy appears to be the only one with any problems with her and so yeah i'm good good. murder most foul it sounds (laughs)
1: like um my next one is king of fools by amanda foodie Uh, Amanda was on the show a a long, long time ago at this point. So she wrote one of my favorite YA books ever called Daughter of the Burning City, all about this like magical, traveling, mysterious carnival that's the size of a city. And I got so mad at her because she told me it was a standalone because I wanted to live in that world forever. The reason it was a standalone is because she was working on this other book at the time called Ace of Shades. Ace of Shades is sort of like a magical Vegas setting. And um, there's murder and and death and all sorts of stuff in Ace of Shades. And it's awesome, and it has everything to do with this shadow game that is basically like a dice and card game that you play that almost it's for your soul, is kind of how the the first book sort of ends up. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but this is the second book in her shadow game series, King of Fools. And at this point, um, this is her third book, and she has hit the status of I will read anything she writes. So it's Amanda Foody. You can go back and listen to her. Uh, Talked to me a long, long time ago. If you search for her on our website, it'll pop up. But uh, read anything by her. She's awesome. All right. So those are all the books we're going to talk about because we're running a little longer than we normally do. Um, But if you want to see our full lists, you can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. We'll tweet it out and all that good stuff too. But um, I think we each have like two or three more. Uh, So in addition to all these, you can find some more recommendations there. So I think that's everything.
0: I think that's everything.
1: Okay, cool. Well, thanks for being with us for all of our news and, and updates at the beginning. And hopefully you got a really good recommendation here that you liked. If not, just shoot us an email, professionalbooknerds.overdrive.com, and we'll help you out. So hope you guys enjoyed these April picks, this very special and lengthy episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. <laughs>